When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the 54th episode of the Serbian Corner. It is an NBA Champions Denver Nuggets podcast hosted by a Serbian guy trying to speak English with guests from all around the globe. My name is Miroslav Cuk, currently dieting and trying to get off that nervously added weight during the playoffs. And you can find me on Twitter at Miroslav C-U-K, where I mostly post basketball-related dad jokes and also coward shame the MVP of the NBA, Mr. Joel Embiid. The NBA draft happened. The NBA champions, Denver Nuggets, had, thanks to some aggressive Calvin Booth moves, three picks all in the 29 to 37 range, and they used all of them. They didn't draft Victor Venbanyama, he was gone a few picks earlier, but they did draft some interesting guys. We'll spend some time on them. I have a draft specialist on the show for that today, but we're also going to spend some time on the Nuggets depth chart coming into free agency. We have seen a lot of moving parts already. Brad Beal to Phoenix, Chris Paul to the Warriors, Zinger to the Celtics, Smart to the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole on the Wizards, and Davis Bertans on the Thunder. Um, <laughs> like, Dallas actually tanked their season just so they could get a number 10 pick to use to salary dump my Latvian brother Davis. Amazing. It's so fun to watch all of those 29 non-champion teams trying to pivot somehow and get in the Nuggets one-team tier. It's adorable. It is time to bring in my first guest, a great Nuggets Twitter follow, my fellow knower of useless information from Lakewood, Colorado. It's Steven Reinert. Steve, did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, yeah you nailed it, man. <laughs> so for the Clippers fans out there, can you tell them how does it feel to be an NBA champion fan? Oh, man, it feels good. feels good. Uh, very relieving, really, you know. After all those years of uh, coming up short, it's finally good to be on top of the mountain. Um, you, you've been closely with the team for the last 10 years. Would you call this, uh, this journey like a linearly growing path for the team or was it like, like, like a really strong push up at some point that you realized you were witnessing? Um, I think it was pretty linear, you know, really. I mean, once you got rid of uh, the Brian Shaw debacle, it started to really grow. And I think it just kind of took that next step each and every year. You know, every player took that next step. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of very linear. Uh, I, I forgot to ask you, is this your podcasting debut or did somebody else pop your podcasting cherry before? 
Oh, this is my third one, actually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, not, not a lot of debutants today, then. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now, one of my favorite Nuggets podcast hosts out there, the host of the Four Corners podcast, the best bowler among the, among the Nuggets fans, and the biggest Nuggets fan among all bowlers, an expert dog person, and a stretch five in today's basketball, it's Rayvon Ray Hackshaw. Welcome back, Ray. Hey, glad to be here. I'm so excited. I feel like uh, maybe a week ago, I looked at just starting over and I thought, wow, it's so soon. But, you know, after the draft, after watching some film, I'm excited to get back into it. But it's it's time for you to, to get on your hobbies more, I guess. When does the bowling season start and when does it end? Is oh, it it's actually now? fall. Uh, it'll be August. So I've been doing things. I uh, got some archery in the other day um yeah do some cycling just trying to really want to explore colorado as a whole i've been here a couple of years now so i really like denver but really want to explore the whole of the state i think this summer is what i'm focused on that's that's really nice uh do you guys have any maybe summer league plans in a couple of weeks anything to announce mm. no confirmation i may be uh stopping by seeing some games we'll see though Steve, have you have you thought about that? No, I'm not. I'm not going to go. I'll, <laughs> I'll watch from home. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Okay. I mentioned we are going to have a draft specialist with us today. He is my designated draft guy. He is a contributor for the Crown Hoops, but most importantly, a Denver Nuggets super fan. Calling from East Coast, but with no cost bias, making his Serbian corner debut, it's City Fazio. Welcome, City. Miroslav, thanks for being on. Great to be on with you guys. Uh, yeah, draft just happened. Uh, really excited with the outcome. No world champions now, so uh, glad to be transitioning to the offseason. So tell me, and this might sound like a random question, but who is the best guy that wasn't drafted a couple of days ago, but will eventually end up on the Lakers and have more all-star votes next season than Aaron Gordon? Man, that's a tough one. Uh I'm probably going to say uh, Terquavion Smith. He actually signed with the Sixers, uh, point guard at NC State. Uh, name to watch in the future. A name to cherish for sure. That yep. name is awesome. It <laughs> <laughs> is a cool name. It is a cool name for sure. Very cool. Okay, guys, it's time to get to the business. So let's start with the Nuggets draft. Our NBA champions, did I mention that the Nuggets are NBA champions yet? Uh, they had their have. first pick at number 29 it i was hoping for the ucla ncaa champion jaime haquez did i say it right jaime haquez right on the money yeah but he went to the heat with the 18th pick by the way f that a finals team getting a pick in the teens come on now i also hope for duke darik whitehead but he went 22nd to the nets but in hindsight i'm really glad we didn't pick him because you know he's probably not going to play next year instead we got julian strother a 6-6 junior guard from gonzaga a 15 and 6 guy last season on 41 percent from the arc he has a pretty weird shot he holds the ball pretty low just before the shot but his shot is lightning quick still my first takeaway about him elite last name strother i love it 
I really love it. But since our audience probably wants better insight than that, City, give me your five cents about Julian Strother. Yeah, actually, Julian Strother is a guy I've been on, uh, you know, for about two years now. Um, he decided to come back last year. Uh, he tested the waters for the draft uh, as well, but I don't think he got the uh, the promise he'd go in the first round. So came back and proved this game. Uh, really dynamic shooter, forty one percent from three on a lot of attempts. Um, think about four attempts a game, which is pretty high volume. Um, a guy who played off of Drew Timmy at, at Gonzaga. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Um, you know, he kind of mirrors Jokic in a way where he's really heavily dominant in the post. Um, draws a lot of attention in that way. So I think, uh, you know, Calvin Booth kind of saw that as saying, you know, we need shooters surrounding Jokic, uh, maybe off the bench too, because the bench kind of had a struggle shooting. Um, so I think Strahl is going to be a really great addition in that aspect where you could slot him in between Christian Brown and hopefully Bruce Brown as well, but you could play him in lineups um, next to Aaron Gordon too. And I think MPJ and, and Strahl on the wings is going to be a really, really dynamic uh, wing duo as far as shooters. So I'm really high on the pick. I think um, it was great value at 29. Ray? Do you have any first thoughts? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of a lot of the things that he does, uh, just in how thoughtful he is in the way that he approaches spacing the floor. Like he's always making these like little micro adjustments about where he's standing and, and getting into like open passing lanes. And I think that's going to be really valuable for him. Um, can I can I give a small drawback? Sure. Maybe I think he might take a year of maybe working with an NBA program in terms of conditioning things, but I think his foot speed could be a little bit better. Um, he is really long. I feel like he could apply. There's a lot of, I think, meat on the bone for him to apply himself and his length on the defensive end in terms of like keeping his hands active and things like that. Um, but I definitely think he can contribute, you know, definitely around Jokic and definitely around um the much needed sort of uh offensive punch that the bench can provide steve did you see something interesting about him on the film um i haven't watched too much film um i know his defense is uh needs a little bit of work but uh i think we have i think our bench is so stout defensively already with like christian brown and stuff that uh i think it's going to be nice to have that offensive firepower to go with it now Yeah, it's. I was super glad to to hear that we didn't get any one and done guys, because this team is already so experienced and has such high quality. They don't need any, and they don't need a lot of projects. I think Peyton Watson can still be viewed as a kind of a project. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll be awesome from the gate, but. Having a guy who is uh, such a dynamic uh, scorer on the on the bench can be really really uh, fun. And since it's Gonzaga City, if I'm not wrong, it's one of the best programs in the NCAA. Should we feel confident about his basketball knowledge after three years of that program? I think for sure. Yeah, Gonzaga, like you mentioned, is one of the, the best programs in all college basketball, a uh, team that's routinely in the tournament, one of the top seats. And um, I think what I really liked about Calvin Booth over his past two drafts, he's really targeted experience uh, to go with, you know, the core of what the Nuggets have in, in Jokic, Murray, Gordon, uh, you know, MPJ as well. I just think that's kind of like the recipe 
um, you know, for how to have success. And we saw Christian Brown last year, a guy who, you know, was a junior coming out of Kansas, won a national championship, and he contributed to a finals team. You know, he was the eighth, seventh or eighth guy, and he really, really played well in the finals. So I think they could kind of say maybe Strawler could do the same thing, maybe not to that extent. But if you need him to play, I think he can, where it's not – he's not going to sink you if he's out there, you know what I mean, compared to – to years past where you saw, you know, like the ball bowls or like the RJ Hamptons and those guys needed more development and more seasoning and where the nuggets were in their kind of ascent as a franchise that really kind of didn't make that much sense. So um, I see, you know, Calvin has a, a vision as far as what he wants. And I think, you know, he was proven right last year with the Christian Brown pick. So I think there's optimism with the, with the Strawler pick and then the two second round guys as well. Steve mentioned, and I think he was right, that the biggest concern here might be his defense. But which part of it? Is it the individual or team defense that we might, you know, look into more uh, coming, coming, you know, into the new season? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I think defensively, I think what he's good at is he's a really good rebounder for a wing. Seven rebounds for a wing. I think, you know, like Christian Brown last year, same thing at Kansas. He was a really good rebounder, and that's that's what you need on the wing. Like all the Nuggets wings and guards are really good rebounders. So to add to that, to that core, I think is really good. But yeah, Strawder on the perimeter is a little bit, uh, he's not the fastest guy uh, moving laterally. So I think that's where the, the issues come. Um, but like I said, he's got really, really, uh, you know, he's got a tall base. So he's six, seven, uh, about a six, nine, six, 10 wingspan. So he's got length on the perimeter as well. So I think he could guard, uh, you know, twos and threes, uh, maybe threes a little bit uh, too physical for him, but, I do like the fact that he's got a nice baseline, but, you know, I think working with the Nuggets strength and conditioning uh, coaches and getting a little more uh, reps out there, I think he's going to improve. But um, just to start, I think he's got a, a nice baseline offensively and then room to grow on the defensive end. Ray, do, do you have any, any thoughts on his defense? Yeah, uh, actually, if there's one thing I do like a lot, it's that in the same way that offensively, he's very thoughtful about his positioning and just where he is on the court. I think he does the same thing defensively, that maybe he's not always the fastest guy, but he's always really thoughtful about being one pass away, two passes away, and kind of varying his uh, distance to his defender based on that. So I think he has the the IQ to execute a game plan. And, and if you want to sort of work out um, – a way to get him to being a capable defender. I think he can he can think the game well enough to really follow that through. Okay, it is time for our first break. Don't go anywhere. All right, it is time for our second rounders. And we will start with my favorite pick based on my full 90 minutes prep time on these picks after we saw <laughs> them being picked by the Nuggets. So at 32, Calvin Booth picked Jalen Pickett out of Penn State, a fifth-year senior, six foot two and a half, I guess, power guard, who averaged 18, 7 and 7 on 51, 38, 76 shooting last season. My first impression is that even though Strother probably has more physical tools, to be a rotational player in the NBA long term, maybe Pickett is most more NBA ready today. Am I oversimplifying things, CT? Sorry about the guys. I was on mute. Uh, yeah, Pickett for me, I think, um, is a guy who's really experienced. Um, he's been for five years, you know, in college. So I think it's a 
you know, a pretty decent amount of games under his belt. Um, you know, he started at Siena, which was in a lower conference, and he rose his way up to Penn State in the Big Ten. And um, you know, he's been a pretty consistent shooter, albeit on, you know, a lower volume. But he's a guy who really contributes in a lot of ways. You know, a really good rebounder for a guard, uh, can play make. And he's got like an old school game. I don't know if you guys uh, were around to watch Andre Miller back in the day. Um, but he was kind of a I guy. I love that comp, by the way. Yep. A really nice comp, I think, for for uh, a lot of people threw that out there. I really agree with that. Um, you know, Miller was kind of a guy who was really methodical about the game, you know, picked his spots here and there and kind of was a guy who really wanted to outsmart. You know, I think Pickett's the same way. Um, and I think he's a good addition to what the Nuggets need. They need a, a point guard, whether that's with the bench or it could be like a third string guy. So um, I think that'll be that'll be a really good addition. And uh, Calvin Booth went to Penn State, too. So I see the uh, the vision there from what he was going for. <laughs> Ray. You you remember Andrew Miller's, Miller's days in in Denver? Is this exciting? I loved uh, his playoff games versus the Lakers were like huge in my mind, um, especially as a guy who you know. And I think they might be similar in this way. People didn't think of Andre Miller as a shooter, but in that series, the Lakers really challenged him to uh, knock down threes, and he stepped up pretty consistently throughout that that series. So. Uh, Andre's definitely one of my my favorite players, and especially as a guy who is maybe not the most elite athlete, his strength I think is going to be something that's going to allow him to be unpressable in a way that I think is just going to give the bench a lot of stability if he is out there. I think they're going to be very stable under his leadership and guidance. Steve. Um, I don't have too many thoughts on him. I haven't, I haven't watched enough of them to really have any opinion yet. One, one comp I really liked from, from Kevin O'Connor is that, that Pickett is a mini Jokic, like a Jokic in a, in a guard body. And that's, I mean, how can you not, you know, chuckle on that? It's just, it just made, made my day. And really those, those stats he's been putting throughout those five college seasons. I mean, he's the, he's the guy with like most minutes out of all uh, NCAA players in the last five years. I mean, it kind of reminds me on uh, about uh, uh, Howard when he came to the Nuggets a couple of seasons ago because he was like the guy with most trees or more, most points in the NCAA. But we are now talking about the guy with a much bigger frame and and hopefully with a much uh, uh, bigger chance of becoming uh, of uh, uh, an actual NBA player. I'm I'm really high on this guy based on so few you know <laughs> minutes that I've dedicated to his game. But is there a way for him to become the second point guard on the team, or do you think? The Nuggets definitely need to bring in uh, a veteran in front of him. Let's stay, st start with Ray. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, he's got a relatively good chance. I think when I consider what the needs are, they have a lot of the two through four sort of spots locked down. Um, but I think there is some opportunity at point guard and maybe even at center looking for that, maybe like true center backup if they want to find that. Where I think Pickett, it seems like a wide open you know competition, and um, I think he's the kind of guy that Michael Malone would trust. You know, just just watch. Even going back to like the Jameer Nelson days, 
Um, I think that Malone loves former point guard, loves that reliability, that stability, that, you know. He never loses the that ball. That guy, you can just, no, no, exactly. He has so much, that's what I really love about him. He's very strong in the sense that he's not a guy you can hurry. You know, teams can apply pressure and as, to the extent that they want to, but I, I think that he'll be able to overcome that and, and really let teams do that to their own detriment. CT? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Nuggets are going to need a more experienced veteran at that backup spot, you know, if Bruce leaves. Um, I actually tweeted today some guys that I think would make sense, you know, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Dennis Smith maybe, or Dellen Wright in a trade. But I think Pickett as a third string or maybe like uh, on a two-way I think would make a lot of sense. And then um, doing what Watson did last year, right, getting him into the G League, getting him that, that season and experience, and then by the end of the year – Maybe then he's ready to go as far as, you know, giving him some some minutes in the in the pros. Um, so I think that's, you know, that could be a chance. But I do think, you know, seeing Bruce's uh, importance last year as the sixth man and even finishing some finals games as well, I think the Nuggets are going to need more of a veteran guy because I think playing too many of the younger guys, you know, like Brown, and then we'll see if Watson's in there as well. I think having too many younger guys can cause a little bit of a, uh, you know, maybe like a volatile bench. So we'll, we'll see with that. But I think Pickett's going to be, Someone who's going to contend for minutes, uh, maybe down the line for sure. I kind of hope he doesn't go to the G League right away because he's been playing so much basketball already. I don't, I don't feel like he needs more, more reps. Just let him try for ten minutes a game for the last, for the first five games, and if it's a total <laughs> disaster, then <laughs> pivot from that. It's just, I, I don't know, I, I. I, I don't remember being this guy uh, on a pick like since Michael Porter probably. And that's probably insane for me to say. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a feeling that I that I have with Pickett. Steve, are you excited at all about, about a, a proposition of having a mini Jokic on the second team? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do like it. But I also would like to see him go to the G League for a little bit. I'm opposite of you. Um, just because, you know, our, G, our the gold coach is Andre Miller. So it'd be nice for a guy like that who kind of models Fair. his game after him a little bit to go actually talk to him and get coached by him and see what he needs to take the steps to make it to the next level. By the way, shout out uh, Andre Miller. He was by far the best player on the U.S. national team in 2002 when George Carl was the coach. Yes, Yugoslavia won against them in the quarterfinals, but Andre Miller was I was I was scared as as hell every time he held the ball and he was shooting amazingly in that match as well. So kudos to him and I guess I guess what we see those 38% last season from from uh, Pickett hmm, who knows it might translate to the NBA level as well. Okay. The last pick from two nights ago it was Can Hunter I actually Tyson. Add, like one thing. Yeah, sorry. Of course. Um, I feel like one thing I think would really help him if we could find like a veteran backup center who knows what they're doing, who is comfortable. It's a guy we can pair him with. I think that would be huge. Not that he can't operate without one, but I think that would be huge for his ability to kind of give, make that transition easier. You know, I think a lot of the, about how uh, like Monte came into the league kind of working with Mason Plumley, and not necessarily that they have to be the best player in the world, but I think that that trust that knowing where they're going to be and how to operate together, I think just makes everything simpler. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Like season nine, Malone will finally start using backup five <laughs> properly. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> That's a TBD as well. I'm 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 kidding. Malone has been growing as a coach every year in the NBA. So who knows? He might surprise us with some some new tricks this season. Okay, if we're uh, happy with what we said about Jalen Pickett, let's go to Hunter Tyson. First of all, elite name. We we don't have to to discuss that he's a six foot eight and and the nuggets think of him as a small forward which is pretty exciting because if he was a power forward i wouldn't know what they were doing with that pick i mean we have so many power forwards already but if he can play a small forward at six foot eight and he is a guy that was playing for monroe north carolina he is also a, a fifth year senior who averaged 15 and almost 10 last season on 40% from the from the arc on six attempts per game, which is insanity in NCAA basketball. That's almost twice the attempts of the Nuggets legend Tyler Lydon. So please stop with the comps. Tyler wasn't <laughs> such, a, such a, a, a brave shooter. Let's call it like that. So City... Have you, in your wildest dream, considered Tyson to be on the, the Nuggets pick under Calvin Booth? I did not, actually. I had a bunch of other players in that range um, that I thought the Nuggets were going to take, just based on you know past history of the two of the last draft that that Calvin did. Um, listen, I think it's a, it's a decent swing, um, and like you said, with the the Leiden comparison, I think the the comp is definitely different, just because Leiden wasn't really a physical player. You know, watching Tyson, you know, he's a guy who, you know, gets those post duckings like Gordon does a lot, where he's pretty physical against smaller defenders. He can bully guys like that. And he's a good shooter, too, 40% from beyond the arc. Um, he's got height. He's got length. He's pretty athletic as well. So I think, um, you know, he's kind of versatile in that aspect. But, you know, as a second-round guy, I don't think you could really do, you know, any 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 worse than that. So I think it's a good swing to, to take. Steve? Do you have any impressions of, of Hunter Tyson? Um, I don't have too many impressions, but I will say that I'm, I'm kind of glad that uh, Booth went to the offensive side more this year in the draft. Like, I think that's really what we're going to need for the bench anyways, just because I think the defense of the bench was fine. So, yeah, 40% from three, like, that'll be if – he, if he does get minutes, I don't know how many he'll get, but it'll be nice to have him out there that can stretch the floor and – Give the, give the guys some room to operate. Ray, based on the film you already had a chance to, to, to watch of, of Tyson, what's the reason he takes that many shots from the three? Is he, like, wide open? Or is, is it, like, was it the, the team effort to, to, to provide him with so many attempts? I think he just is an excellent... Like, he just knows how to find shots, if that makes sense, in the flow of an offense. And I think that's going to be helpful if he ever touches the floor with a Nikola Jokic. I think they're going to be best friends in that way. Uh, that he's going to know where to be. He's going to get to the spots efficiently and quickly and be like, okay, I know I need to be on this wing, in this corner, in this short corner, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know if he's going to see the floor. That's like an open question, of course. But I do think what is nice about it is that it brings us it's a lot of options that michael malone has a bunch of different guys some of them who are more defensive minded some of them are more offensive minded and there's not nearly as much 
at least what I'm projecting, there's not nearly as much redundancy in Denver's prospects at the moment. So I really like that. So basically, the three picks we got this year, all of them are, they're not three and D, they're three and R, three and rebounding, like three great rebounders from their positions. Boardman gets paid. That's what they say. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, if, if there's one thing we can say that Denver bench was lacking last year, it was rebounding. When, when you don't have, you know, Michael Porter playing with the bench, when you, you don't have Aaron Gordon playing with the bench, you had problems with, you know, Jeff Green and, and uh, even Zeke Nagy and Vlatko with, with rebounding. Those guys were good in, in other areas. But if we... You, you, you could distill the two main weaknesses of uh, second unit last year as uh, not enough firepower and not enough rebounding. So, yeah, I know it's it sounds super simple to say it like this, but City, do you think that this was the 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 mind frame Calvin Booth was having when he was picking these guys? Yeah, for sure, most definitely. Um, yeah, like we said last year, I think it was more of a defensive-oriented draft. You know, Christian Brown came in and was a really good defender. You know, we saw that in the playoffs as well. Peyton Watson, too, has a lot of um, potential on that end, too. We saw that last year. Uh, this year, I think the bench just needs more offense, right? We saw, you know, at times it would get a little stagnant. Uh, the rebounding wasn't that great as well. Um, so I think adding Strawler as a shooter where I think probably since Malik Beasley was a guy who the Nuggets had, you know, off their bench was a dynamic shooter. Uh, and that was the last time the, the Nuggets bench was really, you know, pretty decently, you know, good offensively uh, was back then. Uh, this bench last year was more defensive oriented. So I think adding a shooter like that in Strawler, you could kind of surround him with good defenders, you know, and, say Zeke Nagy comes back, you have Christian Brown and maybe a Bruce Brown if he comes back. Like if you kind of put those guys around each other and complement them with the bench, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I was really on the Strawler pick. And I think I don't I'm not sure if he's going to play right away, but I do think like if you need to, I think these guys could play and not sink the bench, which I think that's like the that's the most important aspect of, of this past draft, in my opinion. Steve, defense wins championships, but Offense is so much more fun to watch. <laughs> are you more excited after this draft, or are you like, let's let's wait and see what these guys are actually going to tr- contribute next season? No, I am I am excited. I think uh, it'll be nice to have uh, more offense on the bench, just because I don't want to watch. I don't want to have to watch Jamal Murray carry the bench all year long. Like I don't want him to have to do that. That's exhausting for him. I want him fresh for the playoffs. So. Yeah, I'm glad we went more offense, and that, that does excite me. And I think it'll balance well. <laughs> I personally would let both Nikola and Jamal not not play until New Year's. Like, <laughs> let them have as much rest as they want. Hopefully, the team can stay you know above 500 without those two guys. That's probably not realistic, but but especially in in Jamal's case, like let him rest as much as he wants because. We know he's not a regular season guy. We don't need a regular season, Jamal. We know what we have in in the postseason from him. Ray, is this mm-hmm. is this kind of draft uh, making you more excited about the season? I'm 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 very like I don't know if it's the draft or just having the time to to make me breathe a little bit. 
and really take in that, okay, we won the championship and that it's really real. And every morning I wake up and the Denver Nuggets are NBA champions. It's great. But um, but hear me out. If the Nuggets win the summer league with these guys, will it change a bit? <laughs> you know what? The really the crux of the matter is going to be Michael. What Michael Malone does, honestly, they could win the summer league championship, but I need to see him uh, get these guys into the club, and then I'm like, okay, then I know is Peyton Watson going to be in the Michael Malone circle of trust? You know, uh, I think that once he is. Then I'm like, okay, cool. He could be, he could be X, he could be Y, he could be Z, he could be a max player. Like I, I generally believe that about Peyton. But at the same time, it still could be until it actually is. Um, I do, I do like, you know, you guys talking about the rebounding a little bit earlier. As long as they don't have a backup center, like a true backup center, I think that's going to be really important. Like that, everybody one through five is going to be a rebounder. So it, all of that, you know. It's nice that I trust Calvin Booth like completely and wholeheartedly and that there's um, I could turn around, close my eyes and come back in six months. And I feel like Calvin is going to have made all the right moves that he needs to. Okay, we spoke a bit about this before the show started. So let's give our picks for the Nuggets MVP of the Summer League just as a, as a fun exercise. I, I already said it's picket. It's obvious from, from my side. So let's start with Steve. Steve. Who do you see as the Nuggets MVP of the summer league? Um, I mean, I'd probably go Piwat. I think that's, I think that's the easy one. So long as he plays enough games, um, yeah, yeah, I think I go Piwat. And I don't know, I'm excited to see uh, Gillespie play too, if he'll play. Like, I think that's a something we forget about since he's there. CT. I'm going to go with with Strader. Uh, but if Peyton Watson plays all the games, and I think I'd probably agree with Steve. Um, but I just think uh, Strawder's going to get a lot, a lot of opportunities out there to shoot the ball. So, uh, you know, let, let Strawder cook out there and let's see him fire away from, from 30 feet. Ray? I got to go with Peyton. I mean, it's two things. I think that with his mobility, he's been a guy who – he doesn't always convert, but he can get to his spots as easily as anybody I've seen. And I think when you talk about MVP and you talk about that kind of thing, the narrative – I think is going to be enhanced by the fact that just Piwat is a highlight reel like that. He just has so many different uh, like blocks dunks. I think that we're going to see, especially in G league where play gets a little bit more sloppy. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, some fun times from, from Piwat and he's so big, you know, I'm excited. Excellent. We have three different guys. So some of us will probably be right. And that, that makes me happy. And <laughs> Can't wait for the for the summer league to start. Okay, it is time for our second break. We'll start building the new Nuggets depth chart on the other side. So don't go away. Okay, we are back. It's presentation time. So we have we have the Nuggets depth chart in Comic Sans. We haven't used that font in a while on this show. So we're bringing it back. We'll, we'll do a pretty simple stuff. We have starters, we have bench, third stringers, and depth. Or maybe we don't have depth, we'll see. So let's start uh, the easiest part first. The five starters, I'm not debating this. Nobody's debating this. Jamal Murray, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. Those guys are set in stone, even if Bruce Brown's come back. I don't think he would 
you know overtake KCP or something like that in the starting five. So bench, I'm gonna start <laughs> with my guy, of course, pick it. So the reason he is in the parentheses is because he is not actually signed yet. We don't know. He'll probably get at least a two-way contract. I'm kind of leaning he might get a regular contract uh, right away. But but we'll see about that. So I put him uh, on the bench at the one. At the two, I put, of course, Christian Brown. There's no debating that as well. At the three, I mean, there might be debating. We'll, We'll talk about it in a minute. At the three, hopefully, P. Watt. That would be the, the maybe the brightest timeline if we get Piwat uh, from the from the jump as a bench three. At the four, Vladko Chantar, because if not now, when? I mean, this this is probably the last chance we get for me because I love Vladko so much. Either play him 18 minutes a game or just trade him because it doesn't make any sense to to make him a uh, third stringer for the sixth season in a row. And at the bench, bench five, I put here Zeke Nadia. Of course, he's not really a five, but who who else does have a real five at the back of five? So I think that's fine. For the t- third stringers, I put the three guys all in the parentheses. So Gillespie at the one, Strother at the two, and White at the four. Now, I, I'm going to hear what you think about these guys because Strother will probably be uh, one thing that we'll debate here because he is the, the highest pick of the Nuggets this season and I put him in the third stringers. That might not uh, be the way the Nuggets want to, to deal with it. And the last guy we have now also not yet signed is, is Hunter Tyson. I put him at the three. Because if I put him in the four, he would have to go all the way to the depth. And I don't want to do that yet. So these are 14 guys. Four more guys we can get. Hopefully Bruce Brown, one of them. And then we'll see if some of the veterans will come back or or any other veterans would come through trade or free agency. So let's start with CT. What are your thoughts about this bench lineup? Would you maybe put Gillespie above Pickett or Strother, uh, you know, uh, in front of Watson or something like that? Yeah, no, I think the bench is, um, you know, something I agree with. I just think uh, the point guard spot, whether that's Bruce that comes back or if they get, um, like you said before, like Adelan Wright or like a Dennis Schroeder or, um, you know, another point guard, you know, in that aspect. I think they just need like a veteran sixth man who can play between, you know, Murray and KCP at times as well. Uh, kind of feeling as like a defensive guy uh, too in that aspect. So, um, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pickett gets that, you know, third string job or Gillespie too, just because, you know, Ishmith was, you know, he's a good veteran, but as far as like uh, their play, I think it would kind of be synonymous um, as far as like impact on the court and that aspect. But uh, as far as Vlaco and Zeke, you know, I've been really high on them as the bench front court for a while, especially last year. And I actually think that was the start of really finding that, identity of the bench unit because Vlaco and Zeke were two guys who were really switchable defensively you know in the front court they could switch on most on most players off the bench so I think that was pretty pivotal going into the playoffs seeing Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green and Christian Brown do the same thing so um like you said Miroslav I'm I'm a really big Vlaco advocate and I think he should uh, I think he deserves to play next year 
uh, you know, he should be given that runway uh, to kind of get that opportunity off the bench. Steve, apart from Bruce Brown, which which veteran would you like to see back the most? Oh, man, which veteran? Um, I mean, I guess I'd just go Jeff because I think he's the most playable. Um, DJ's obviously DJ. Love him, but he's 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 past his prime. Um, and then Ish is just just wasn't terribly impactful. He was impactful when he played, but I don't think he's impactful enough over extended periods of time. So I'd probably go bring Jeff back if we're going to bring a veteran back. I love how we don't think about Reggie Jackson at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking about him. <laughs> I, did, I wasn't thinking about him at all. <laughs> It doesn't feel... Yeah, it's hard to feel like he's a part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys came in late too, so I think I think that was part of the problem too. They didn't really get, you know, that long of a runway to to make an impact, but um yeah, I think, you know, obviously as we saw, you know, with the championship, they figured out the right guys to play uh off the bench toward the end, so You know, a year ago I was mad at at Calvin Wood for picking up Peyton Watson. As a project, I was like, we need 17 guys and all of them should contribute from day one. This is a championship team. No, you don't need 17 guys to contribute. You can have a couple of guys on the edges that don't really play but are good for the team. This is why I would really really love DJ to, to be back. Or if it's not DJ, then Boban. One of those two. I don't mind either of them. I think DJ would be really good, especially because they really don't have a real backup five and and dj showed that he actually can play for three minute stretches in playoffs when needed when really really needed so ray what do you think about this diff, this depth chart would you shuffle some stuff around from what i put here i hate to do this i hate to do this i really do i'm kind of out on zeke as a five i i just i i, I like zeke as a four You know, I, I think he can play the four and, and maybe even do a little bit of the combo four or three things um, if he can pick up his shot again. But I just haven't loved him as a pick and roll option. Um, haven't always loved his stoutness on the inside. And that's not like an indictment on him. I think it's just the way the positions have worked out on the team. So I would be really open to another uh, like center hiring. And, I, and I'm even a guy who... I'm a firm believer in having three centers, honestly, just the way that um, you actually can kind of be in a position where sometimes you need that third guy or that sec at least a second guy. Um, so Boban, I think, would be a great option. Um, I mean, I'm happy to let Calvin do the recruitment, but um, I like DJ, you know, I feel like he can come back. He wouldn't. Um, how would I put this? I do have a fear that if Jeff gets brought back, Michael Malone loves Jeff Green, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm here sitting like, oh, I want Blocko to play. I want I want Peyton to play. I want these all these other guys to like get a shot. And um I would be curious to see if they could thread that needle of having more veterans involved while in especially in the regular season, because we all know we've established, I think, enough that a regular season matters less than we might think uh if we can use that opportunity to still have that development while still having those veteran presences in the room so um that's the only change i would make i think is is maybe bumping zeke to like 
backup four or finding him a place who will, you know, somewhere where he can play. Because I, I think he can play. He just needs that opportunity. I, I love that takeaway because Zeke Nagy is a pretty expensive guy right now. His contract is a, around $4 million. And Nuggets are crazy expensive right now. Nikola Jokic's mm -hmm. Supermax just kicked in. So they're crazy close to that second apron everybody's talking about and everybody's scared of. But I'm not sure if they should be so much scared of in the first season. Those That's not really clear to me at, at this point. But do you guys agree that Zeke Nagy is probably the, like the most probable candidate to, to be traded away uh, in, in order to get some kind of... Uh, upgrade on the roster city yeah i think for me actually um i think right you made some great points i, I think I, where i disagree is that i think zeke going forward is going to be a guy who you know he's a bit younger as well and i think he's proven at different spots that he's reliable uh it's just the the problem is that his health sometimes is that he can't stay healthy um i think that was the issue this year is that he kind of toward the end of the year i thought he had a chance to stay in the playoff rotation but he just got hurt um but i think him and vlaco are a really good combination moving forward but And I think you kind of need that younger talent, like we saw in the draft, right? We're having a bunch of guys on con on cheaper contracts uh, for longer years to kind of see if you could fill out the bench. You know, Christian Brown, a Peyton Watson, a Strother. Um, I think Zeke kind of fits in that mold too. And then Vlacko's on a great contract too. And I think he'll most likely re-up again after uh, next year. Um, but Zeke just being on like a low-cost, inexpensive deal where he's pretty much a good contributor, I think you could get him on an extension that won't be, you know, that much – that much money, you know, going against, you no, know, like Miroslav said, going against the second apron. So um, I personally would bring him back in that case, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up trading him too. I mean, his salary is like the, the big chunk you can use in order to get Delon Wright or some, somebody right. like that if you lose if you lose Bruce Brown. Or even if you don't lose him, you, you can still have a couple of minute, million, you know, uh, to spare to get one more guy, not to rely only on, on basically seven guys with Bruce and, and, and with Christian off the bench. I'm not saying that you should not rely on Vlatko because Vlatko is a complete basketball player. I trust in him a lot. But he did have some uh, injury problems in the past as well. So, you know, y y you better have more veterans than, than less. Um, Steve, do you have a dream signing for the Nuggets uh, in this offseason? I mean, I like Daylon Wright a lot. I'd like to get him. or Well, I guess that's a trade, but yeah, that's, that's kind of who I'd like to see us get. Ray? I honestly kind of don't. I'm kind of like just like let's let's just run it back. Come on, guys, let's just go do the thing. Um, I would still love a center of some kind, but I I trust Calvin to make that decision, and and he's he's got it covered so far. Is and um, one thing I would say I do I do also like the Vlad Gozi combination. Like when those guys have played together, I think they've been really effective and flexible and switchable. Where they I think neither guy is like purely a perimeter guy or purely an interior guy but they kind of come together in a way they form like voltron <laughs> um but 
it's kind of like I, I don't mind having more depth too because you know to ct's point both Laco and zeke have gotten hurt at some points and you can never have too many guys who are 6'8 to 6'10 so um just find me a center and i i'm pretty comfortable hopefully bruce comes back um but if not i think one of colin or or Pickett can can be that guy and if you have like an Ishmith who wants to be the third string guy, I think that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. City, you already mentioned your ideas for replacing Bruce Brown, if God forbid he wouldn't return to the Nuggets. But is there a, a big guy, a, a center, backup center you 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 have in mind for filling out that that spot from free agency or trade trade market? Yeah, I think. Um... I don't, not anyone in particular, but I think if they could find like another switchable kind of big like that, like Zeke is, but that's why I'm I'm really high on Zeke, kind of replicating that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident just with DeAndre coming back, whether that's in a, a backup role or someone who could just be like a mentor, play when needed. Okay, I think we are we are done with this segment. We'll take a short break and come back with some league-wide news. Okay, we are back, and we have the presentation back as well. So, league news in Comic Sans. So, we've seen some moves by desperate teams. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So, let's start with the first time, and that's the Bradley Bill trade to Phoenix. So, Steve, I feel like you have strong takes about the big deal. <laughs> of Brad Bill, Devin Baker, and Kevin Durant. I don't know why they did it. It seems so silly to me. Like, Bradley Bill, I mean, he's a fine offensive player, but it's more of what they already are. Like, it, they need more defense. Like, especially if, I mean, I just don't think you're going to beat the Nuggets on offense. I just really don't. And I don't think getting another third guy that has that huge contract is going to help your depth at all. And so I just I don't I don't see that as being a good move for them at all. My favorite part of that trade is that Brad Bill still has his no trade clause. So they cannot get rid of him. That's beautiful. That's that's like if they want to pivot from here, they have to trade either Devin or Kevin. One of those uh, Devin Kevin guys. Ray, what are your thoughts? I mean six second round picks. I can't say like you're wrong for doing that. Uh, at the same time, it increases their cumulative level of talent, right? Um, if if Denver is going to play against the Suns in a series, they do have to defend all four of those guys in in a way that maybe they didn't totally have to before. Uh, but they've got some work. They've got the work cut out for them, I, I think, in this free agency with just like filling out a roster that can defend and do all the little things that they need to get done. Um, I mean, I respect them as a team that's going to be in that conversation, I think, throughout the year. And um, I don't think it, it could, it could Hindenburg, like crash and burn. It could be rough, but I think it all, it could go well. I, I don't want to write them off yet. I, I think especially with some continuity for Kevin Durant and maybe do they want to move on from DeAndre Ayton? I don't know, but um Oh, they're gonna try. They've still got. <laughs> they're gonna. Yeah, try they've got hard. options. They're gonna try, uh, and, and maybe that's the path that they take to kind of helping to fill out that 
those sort of smaller roles. But we'll see what happens. My first thought actually on this trade is that they might be a really good regular season team with all that firepower. But on the other hand, they might just, you know, suck in every game Kevin Durant doesn't play because he's injured like what we saw on the on the Brooklyn in the last couple of seasons of his tenure over there. City, do you think that Phoenix Suns are uh, the biggest favorite outside of the Nuggets in, in the West, at least, you know, seed-wise, not, not in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. I think seed-wise, um, they'll probably be the number two seed. Um, depending on what Denver does with the rest, you know, maybe we'll see Jokic and Murray take more games off. Um, but yeah, I think Phoenix has a lot of firepower in the regular season. You know, guys who the, their playoff kind of deficiencies won't come out in the regular season because teams don't really gear up for that. But yeah, I would think the uh, the Suns are pretty top heavy, so I would kind of expect them to have a good regular season. But yeah, for the playoff time, though, I, I think it's kind of the same thing that we saw last year. Like they didn't really need another offensive weapon. They kind of needed more defenders because Murray and Jokic were able to have their way in that series. So maybe if they trade Aiton, they could find some more depth and defensive pieces because, you know, at this point they, they might as well put me on me and Ray out there on, on, uh, on their bench. Hey, so I'm well, available. Uh, okay. Yeah. I look, I'll be a Nuggets <laughs> fan. I'll still be a fan, but like I have student loans. <laughs> so, yeah, you are available outside of the bowling season. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Okay, then we get to the second very exciting trade, and that's CP3. This is actually the extension of the first trade. CP3 didn't stay in Washington for for a long time, and now he's in Golden State. Now, Steve, is there anything smarter than to unite guys that really hate each other? (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure Chris Paul and Steph will get along fine. Um, but I don't see how that helps Golden State. I mean, I guess Jordan Poole wasn't helping much either, but I don't see how CP3 is an upgrade over that other than you're out of his contract quicker. Uh, Ray, do you do you see CP3 as a full-time bench guy on Golden State? Or do you think they are going to try to combine his uh, ball dominant offense with the you know the movement offense of, of Golden State. I really don't know what's going on in Steve Kerr's mind right now. <laughs> like poor guy. Um yeah, he's got a lot of of things to work on, but I think a backup role for Chris I, would be good for him and his longevity, so I think that especially in the regular season, that's what I would bet on. Uh, but at the same time, they've also shown to be a team that cares a lot more about how they close games and how they start them. So that that might be something that they play with where they try to find uh, some type of revitalization of the old folks death lineup. Um, I'm curious, like I'm, I'm, that's this one of those teams that I'm just super curious about. I, I don't feel threatened by, but how is this going to play out? I think it's going to be really interesting. City, the first I'm, year of Chris Paul. The first year is always like, okay. yeah, the good one, the good right. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I actually don't think that the basketball fit is that bad. I mean, when you have great players, they'll figure it out. But the health, health-wise, the, this feels like. I mean, Golden State was not healthy last year either, and now they're adding Chris Paul, 
in his 28th season in the NBA. And the worst thing about it, his contract is still 30 million for this season. And he's going to be a free agent next season because nobody's going to pick up that that team option for next season. But they might be really dangerous next season when he's playing for a minimum contract, uh, you know, at his age 47. But before that, City, outside of health concerns, do you do you see uh, Golden State as the serious, like, top three contender in the West? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State's in that in that three spot. I think them and the and the Lakers with a with a full offseason um to get right like they did last year. I think they'll be a top three seed, maybe a three or four seed. Um, but I'm pretty interested to see how Paul kind of fits in with the with the Warriors. You, you, you kind of play Steph more off the ball now, right? And I think Chris Paul is a better defender than Jordan Poole. Um, you know, that Jordan Poole contract was uh probably arguably him and Bradley Beal were two of the worst contracts in the league. So getting off that deal and then obviously there was the chemistry concerns with Draymond after the whole incident. So um, I think Chris Paul kind of is more of like the veteran now in, in, in the room and you can play him off the bench. And I think the Warriors bench won't really like crumble when Chris Paul is out there as well. So I'm kind of interested to see how that goes, but I think they have an interesting team and, and health provider. I think they could be pretty good, but you know, combined with Chris Paul, you know, we saw in the playoffs last year against the Nuggets. I mean, he always gets injured in the playoffs. So maybe we'll have to load manage him, you know, throughout the regular season to get him healthy for the playoffs. But if they're relying on him for heavy minutes, uh, I don't see that really ending up, you know, to be that that well for them. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of low on on their uh, regular season seed because they were the sixth seed last season, and I don't think they'll be much better in the regular season. First of all, they don't need to be much better. They know how to play playoff games. They're confident in their own, you know, quality. And on the other hand, you have these young teams with with a lot of. Uh, firepower and more importantly with much more energy to play the 82 game season so i wouldn't be surprised if you know sacramento was above them i mean we are waiting for that new orleans team to become good at some point and they're always good up to certain point in the season and then they just have a crash landing maybe oklahoma i don't know somebody might surprise and and push golden state back to the six seed this season as well Next next move, Zinger in Boston. So, like, this is the guy that's as good as Nikola Jokic, at least, probably better, as we've heard for, for a couple of years before, you know, he got his first big injury and stuff like that. So, Ray, do you think that Zinger is what Boston needed to to finally get, you know, to the championship? That's a tough question. I mean, no. To be, <laughs> I think he uh, makes them better. They're a more well-rounded team, especially I, you know, thinking about Al Horford, one of the great bigs of the last couple of decades. Uh, at the same time, I think he was more of a detriment than they might have realized initially. So I think you know, KP is an upgrade for them. Um, at the same time, I don't know if moving on from Marcus Smart is going to be the, you know, he provided so much for them defensively. Um, and it it really seals, it feels like they're trying to put Jason Tatum in a lot more of a point forward role. And I don't, I have a lot of questions about that being viable, especially down the line. Maybe it's a, a position of growth that he can kind of step into, but I'm hesitant that they, 
lack that sort of responsible steward of the ball. I, I guess is what I would say. They have uh, Derek White over there to replace to replace Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, and we remember from four years ago how good Derek White can be in playoffs, and he was actually one of the better uh, Boston players in these playoffs. Steve, do, do do you think that Zinger's you know huge appearance in the middle of of the paint will will improve? Boston defense, or or is it just a guy that that can be hunted in the pick and rolls, like spamming the pick and roll, like like New <laughs> York? Um, I don't know. I don't know how much he helps their defense. I mean, he's probably more mobile than Al Horford at this point in his career, so that'll probably help. Um, yeah, I think losing Marcus Smart's going to hurt them more than having Porzingis helps them on that end. CT? Yeah, I think Perzingis is a pretty interesting addition just because uh, they can play five out now. So, um, you know, Horford can shoot the ball, same with Perzingis. So I th actually think for the Nuggets, that'll be, if they meet in the finals, I think that'd be a pretty interesting kind of dynamic, even though I think, you know, Jokic against Horford or, or Perzingis is pretty easy as far as his offensive matchup. But you're getting Jokic to kind of play more on perimeter on, on defense, I think would be um, a little bit where the Nuggets kind of struggle in that way. But I think, I think so. The Nuggets would still win, but yeah, I think Marcus Smart was the the heart and soul of that team. So I'm kind of sure to see from a chemistry standpoint how that that kind of unfolds because he's been there for like nine years uh, in his career. You know, he was pretty big for uh, Tatum and Brown as veterans. So um, you know, we'll see how that ends up now. And then a lot of responsibility on Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon too as point guards. Um, and Brogdon wasn't really healthy, you know, last year. I think actually he was going to get traded to the Clippers too, like a couple weeks ago, and then. The, the physical kind of scared them off. So um, we'll see what happens with that as well. Okay. We're going to just sprint through these last ones I have. So Marcus Martin, Memphis, I don't know. I, is their offense going to become more clunky than what it was, Ray? Is it gonna, it's just additional sandpaper. Like this is a very gritty <laughs> situation. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's It's different. You know, sometimes new personalities, uh, maybe even I think the leadership might be more impactful than just the on court. Uh, and of course, you know, Marcus Smart, great defender, uh, been a point guard in the league for a long time at a high level. But I think that team, I think in particular, might just appreciate the the locker room presence. He, he's a he's a he's a great replacement for oh, what's what's the guy's name that 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 is going to definitely leave. Oh, Jesus. Brooks. Brooks, Dylan Brooks. So he's a great mm -hmm. replacement because they both shoot like 33% from the three on pretty high volume. So <laughs> I guess their offense won't skip a bit. Uh, Steve, does Marcus Smart make you more more scared of, of Memphis? Uh, no, no. I mean, I like it for them just because the, the veteran leadership. Like, I think that'll help a lot. I think, I think that's a team that really needs it. Um, but no, I still have issues with their half court offense. It's what I've been saying for like the past year now and that Memphis until they get that half court offense to not look so clunky. I think they're just, they're destined to be like first, second round exits. City, they, they might run even more with smart on the team now 
you know, because if the defense is even more stout than what, what it was last season, they might just not need the, the half-court offense. But, but what about the playoffs? There has to be some kind of concern about the playoffs. Definitely, for sure. I think it doesn't really help Memphis's problem with not having any wings. Um, Brooks was like an undersized kind of wing as well. And Smart's – he's a good defender, but he's more of a good guard defender more than, you know, a wing. Um, so I think they're they're actually trying to get Mikel Bridges, I saw, but they kind of uh, got rejected with that offer. So I'm interested to see maybe if they could get somebody else uh, so they kind of fill in on the wings because they're very undersized on the perimeter. Um, you know, seeing next year if they play Desmond Bain and, and Smart on, on the wings, that's – you know, I think MPJ and Aaron Gordon are going to feast if that's the case. So um, I still think they have a lot of stuff to kind of navigate as well. And then John's going to be out for 20 plus games to start. So they might be in a hole early. Yes, they, they might really need Marcus Smart for the beginning of the season. I, I agree with that take. Jordan Poole in Washington. I love this one. Like 35 shots a game on 38% from the field. Who wouldn't like that? I mean, he could be the perfect tank commander for the Wizards. What do you think, Steve? Get Monte out of there, man. That's all. I, that's all I think. Get Monte to a contender, please. He doesn't deserve this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think he'll be fine as a tank. I mean, I mean, I think I think that's what he will be for them as a tank commander, essentially. Jordan Poole. Um, yeah. The big contract, Jesus. I don't know, but but I just want to see Monte get out of Washington. That's all I care about. That's that's like their only contract that spans for more than this season, this upcoming season. Everybody else is just an expiring contract, so they're probably looking to team up, pull with some super free agents next season if they want to to join the pool party. Let's let's go. And this is actually the saddest one of them all, the Dallas salary dump. They moved from pick number 10 to pick 12 just to dump uh, Davis Bertans. But the sad thing about it is now they will have uh, room for the for the full Emily and they might offer it to Bruce Brown. So this this might not be as fun as as what I thought of when I was making this presentation. Do we have let, let's let's finish on a on a high note. Why is Bruce Brown coming back? Who wants to start? You want to go, Ray? I want what's best for Bruce. I'm gonna be honest. And if that means he, you know, is gonna be in Dallas, that's okay. I support you. You're my friend. I love you. You go have a good time. That said. You know, I'm not really afraid of Dallas until LeBron goes there. Uh, I think they just need a little bit more than uh, what they've had so far. I, I mean, I like Bruce as an addition, but I think even that will be it'll be interesting to see just who has the ball and how they navigate those things. Steve, you've been at the parade. What yes. was your immediate reaction after he asked one more year? I mean, I was. I was drinking, so I was I was I was very excited about that. Like I was the cheers yeah, yeah, were yeah. strong. But but he was drinking too, so I <laughs> who knows what really gonna happen. I mean, I just I hope he comes back, but I mean ultimately like Ray said, I I want what's best for him. You know, he, he got us a chip and that's 
that's what we wanted. So um, good luck to him with whatever he chooses. City, give us a pragmatic reason for, for Bruce Brown to come back. Yeah, I think for Bruce coming back, I think the Nuggets optimized his, his role. Um, he was more, you know, proved that he was, uh, I wouldn't say like a pure point guard, but he proved that he had guard skills, especially playing with Jokic. Um, so I think it kind of showcased Bruce's, uh, you know, the best parts of his game. Um, he could kind of play, make a little bit, get to the rim and make decisions. Um, so I think this was like the ideal spot, you know, for him. I think Malone really put him in, in a great position uh, to succeed. So I think that's kind of the reasoning for why he'd come back. Um, and I think, too, you could, you know, opt into his deal or not opt into his deal, but come back, get kind of that same money um, that he'd make from last year and then re-up for more money uh, the next two years like Bobby Portis did uh, for the Bucks. So I think that'd be kind of the appeal there. Um, unless he just kind of wants, you know, that, that heftier deal now, which I wouldn't blame him just in case, you know, you never know what happens, you know, with injuries and, and things like that. So I, I wouldn't blame him for that. But, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully he comes back. The Nuggets need him for next year if they want to repeat for sure. Yes, I agree. Bruce Brown is the key. If he's back, I have no fear uh, out of all of those 29 uh, silly teams trying to compete. I will say, though, yeah, I do have one thing to say. Um, he may not go to Dallas because he's been in the locker room with Kyrie before. So maybe, maybe that would be enough. <laughs> One of the non-financial reasons, really, like basketball, <laughs> the locker room, the relationships. I think he might like Dallas as a city. I could see that. I could see um, him feeling welcomed by ownership and things like that. But we'll see. I'm open. I'm open. You know, you come home. Open arms here. Bruce, you're going to be a legend in Denver. Whatever you choose to do in the upcoming days, just please do what we want to <laughs> so you can be even a bigger legend. Uh, it's just that, like, be a bigger legend than than Thomas Bryant. Come on, man. Let's let's, <laughs> let's have two championships. Oh, he's already he's already well. well oh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course, of course. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you for staying with us uh, uh, up until the the very end of this episode. Uh, be safe, take care of you and your loved ones, and I hope to see you next week again. Idemo nagetsi. Idemo.